<clears throat> Hello, universe. Yeah, the surprising commitment to human beings with heart, as you have proven once again here at uh, 11.31 a.m. on the 29th of January. It is, uh, actually, no, it's the 30th of January. What am I talking about? The 30th of January, when Rafa Nadal has just completed what arguably is <laughs> his greatest championship ever by coming back from two sets down to Daniel Medvedev, who frankly, in some ways did lose this as much as Rafa won it. But you can't deny the heart that is Rafa Nadal. If anybody figured life out from day one, it was Rafael Nadal. And I'm, I'm a huge Roger Federer fan. He is my favorite athlete of all time. But Rafa Nadal is my favorite tennis player of all time. I know that sounds stupid. But <clears throat> Rafa Nadal is also the one guy, if I'm stuck in a life raft in the middle of the ocean, that I want in the raft with me. I just figure I have a better chance of surviving if he's there. Because that's how much heart Rafa Nadal has. And when you see it on display again and again and again, and when you see him dig so deep, time after time, I don't care if it's just tennis. It matters. Tennis is a stage where you are fighting your own demons against an opponent who is trying to do everything they can to dismantle you. If ever there is a moment for you to wilt in the moment, hello Roger, then that's the moment. And Nadal again and again proves he is bigger than those moments. Excuse me, I did have a little diamond do for getting this going, so I'd be lubricated a vocal cord, but sorry, that's a little burpity burp. <clears throat> I'll sit down and stop walking, that'll help. Point is, again, gracias universia for el tenis de los hombres. I don't speak Spanish, so I'll stop right there. But men's tennis for 15 to 20 years has just been spectacular. And this is after, I don't want to say that, uh, that Sampras ruined the game, but he made men's tennis somewhat unwatchable because it was a certain volley fest. And either he was playing a returner like Agassi who had a chance, or he was mowing through opponents. And, um, or he was on a, a surface like clay where he was just a liability for his lack of racket control. Now, all of this said, this was at a time when racket technology, string technology, and frankly, the game was different. The first player to emerge with modern technology, I think really was Roger Federer, or to at least emerge of the greatness of someone like a Pete Sampras. And then came along uh, Nadal and Djokovic. And look, Roger Federer is the prettiest tennis player that ever played. And in many ways, the single most gifted tennis player to ever stand in the winner's circle. He's a Steffi Graf of men's tennis. <laughs> and, and, and yet, um, Serena, was the player that nobody ever wanted to play 
because she had weapons that other players couldn't compete against. But Serena could give a match away. She could get in her own head. She'd even say in some of her press conferences after losses that she didn't feel so much that she had been beat as she had lost the match. <laughs> Typical Serena. But um, she still isn't as scary an opponent for the women as Djokovic is for the men. Because Djokovic never gives anything away. And yet, even Djokovic doesn't have the heart that Nadal has. Nadal may not have the complete game that Djokovic has, but what Nadal has is the ability to always take whatever the opponent is willing to give. And to do so in a way that unravels opponents to the point that they become players who Nadal will absolutely not lose to. <laughs> he will will his way to a win because mentally he's the strongest player in the sport. He's the Tiger Woods of tennis. There were times when Tiger Woods stepped on the course and the rest of the field was too mentally weak to beat him. And he knew it. I don't say Nadal has had that kind of dominance over the field because he's had Federer and Djokovic and other players. I don't want to dismiss Murray or some of the other truly tier B plus, if not A minus players that have come along while the trio has been there. But God, they have just put up some of the most spectacular competitive tennis that you may ever see. Um, to have three players playing that well at the height of their career for that long across an, basically an injury-free career, Nadal, Djokovic, and a little fitter, uh, obviously, aside. But thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, and thank you for being such gracious people. And I even love you, Djokovic, even though you're a knucklehead. I love you, too. And frankly, in the end, you're going to be the best of all time until the next best of all time comes along. So, really? It's kind of like property, right? It's yours until it's not. Okay, speaking of until it's not, you know what's yours until it's not? Integrity. Losing your integrity is shitty. <laughs> because getting it back, in many ways, is impossible. Um, once you've exposed that you're willing to compromise your integrity, how are you ever to be believed that you won't succumb to that pressure again, given enough force? Well, <laughs> I don't have an answer for that. I don't get to stand up and even participate in that conversation. I'm not of that metal. But you know who is? Well, reality winner is. Reality winner got... She... She... If anybody in this whole list is a dupe of the CIA. It's reality winner. However, reality, you did the right thing and you're honorable. And in my book, I'm not even going to use the cliche, but my reality is better with you in it. Um, she exposed election vulnerabilities for anybody who's unaware of what reality winner did and did so at the cost of her personal freedom. 
uh, much like Edward Snowden, exposed the extent of both domestic and um, and ally spying by the NSA, basically world spying by the NSA that included all of our allies. But the old refrain of, well, everyone's doing it, so if, uh, you know, Edward Snowden can fuck off and go to Russia and talk on the Joe Rogan show every six weeks, six months, six years, whatever. I don't actually know. I've seen him on there once. Point is, <coughs> listen, Snowden, <sighs> that movie's good. Citizen Four, whatever it is, about how the whole um, unveiling of what Snowden was finding occurred. Snowden's smart. Snowden knows what's going on. Listen to Snowden. And hope, hope somewhere along the line he gets the just recognition he deserves. Although I think in most current circles that matter, he does. Unlike Chelsea Manning, who I think did much the same thing for what quagmire we had <laughs> uh, uh, intentionally, unintentionally uh, devolved to in Iraq. Uh, the documentation that included the, the casual, friendly fire murdering of journalists is despicable on a level that should shame us out of the United Nations. But nobody really even talked about it. I mean, it got five minutes of news play, but <laughs> I remember when those guys went, well, didn't three of them end up serving time and the other three end up not serving time? Something sick. Whatever. Sick. I mean, war is sick. I forgive those guys for what they did. Though they are on the borderline of absolutely the hardest to forgive. They knew better. Knowing better and casually dismissing that to the point that someone else's life is taken? Come on. And yet, Chelsea Manning is the one in prison. And you know what? Um, Corporal Bradley Manning, uh, I'm proud of you for, in all of the direct and indirect attack against you, for standing up for who you really are. So never before or after this recording have I called you Bradley Manning, but I wanted to recognize that taking a stand for that which is the real you matters. So I applaud you, Chelsea Manning, in every capacity. Just like you, Bill Binney, William Binney. I'm not sure if you prefer Bill or, frankly, Billy, but I doubt it's Billy Binney. But I bet it was when you were a boy. <laughs> anyway, William Binney. We all owe you, uh, I guess, uh, man, talk about yin and yang. Uh, exposing the depth of the, uh, the um, what was it, threshold? Uh, I can't remember. I get, and I hate to say this, but I, I get you and Thomas Drake a little bit mixed up. Um, but if I remember right, I know Thomas Drake was the one who was trying to expose the malfeasance up the chain of command and just kept getting, um, kept getting uh, rerouted and denied. Um, and about, but it, I don't know if the, it was the law breaking about spying. I think 
build <laughs> shit I should have researched all this better I didn't even really research it I just kind of wrote a note next to all your names as to what you did but hey listen you what you did is is tell us when uh, the NSA had had jumped the shark and you know who didn't do that every single other person there so Billy Benny I wish I'd have known you as a boy I bet you were a pretty kick-ass kid just like I know Dave McGowan was a kick-ass kid because Dave McGowan had uh, the cojones to chase down truth where truth is most difficult to find. For instance, that whole thing about us going to the moon with uh, our golf clubs and dune buggy. Scientific mission. We didn't bring scientific instruments, we brought golf clubs. Dave McGowan is also critical in exposing CIA malfeasance and frankly has one of the most interesting um, <laughs> dives into factual legacy in his look at Laurel Canyon. So, hello Dave McGowan in whatever capacity of universal life force you now exist because I know cancer took you way too early, but I appreciate all that you did while you're here. Colleen Riley, I appreciate everything you did because it seems like you're the only one who stood up and said we fucked up when 9-11 went down. And when you and Cynthia Cooper and Sharon Watkins, I think it was, from Enron, Watkins, Watson, no, Watkins, whatever. Sharon, <laughs> I don't know. I know it was Cynthia Cooper for WorldCom. Anyway, the three of you on the cover of Time was appropriate and was the beginning of what felt like some accountability returning to the American system of government. But <laughs> it was sort of the last firework flare of recognition that whistleblowers matter. From there on, it was all hammer time. And I don't mean parachute pants. Well, I mean I do, because hammer time always means parachute pants. <clears throat> all right. Flipping around the list a little bit. I already mentioned you, Thomas Drake, so let's go to you next. Thomas Drake is the epitome of the guy who did everything right and was still told to fuck off to the point that they jerked him around with, with I think it was 35-plus years of potential law-breaking sentence over his head. Ten uh, uh, accusations, if I remember right. Um, and then dropped them all, either the day of or the day before his trial. <laughs> I mean, to the point that a federal judge took to task the government for acting so heinously toward a citizen of its own country. Thomas Drake, how, how you have not gone postal. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Sybil Edmonds, um, again, sometimes it's, it, it isn't shocking that your um, whistleblowing maybe ended with tepid results. It's the amount of counterattack that you suffered as whistleblowers that is the turgid part of the deal. Unbelievable. And, I mean, I guess you're still alive. And she exposed FBI corruption um, 
and in uh, I don't know if it was strictly the European office, but I know in her capacity as a translator uh, was discovering several things being sent through as one way that were clearly another and stood up and said, no, this isn't the FBI I work for. Well, the FBI immediately sanctioned and, and kicked her ass out. Uh, again, these are people who are doing the hardest thing there is to do, which is standing up for integrity in a situation that's contaminated with filth. And what do we do? Well, if you're Gary Webb and you figure out that the CIA is trafficking cocaine up and down the West Coast and everywhere else in the country, hello, Bill Clinton, well, then you get suicided. Right, Danny Casolaro? Right, William Cooper? So far, that's everyone on the list. Oh, sorry, Gary Caridori. I didn't mention him the first time around, or Mike Connell. I guess these are names that are worth looking up if you don't know who they are. Gary Caridori, Franklin Scandal, Mike Connell, Carl Rove, Danny Casolaro and the Octopus, William Cooper, Bin Laden. I think everybody else is still, well, Dave McGillen already mentioned, Laurel Canyon. Um, yeah. Zach Voorhees. At times, I think you've done uh, more to help us uh, sway the tide against the censorship that is big tech than anybody else out there. And I know what you went through must have, and probably still is, some surreal nightmare of how did all this become this? But whatever headwinds you face, you face them with integrity. And I, I, I follow you when I can. I'm glad to see more of you showing up. Um, Dylan Avery, you started everything for me. Up until your movie, I assumed everything I heard and saw and was told was exactly what I heard, saw, and was told. I lived inside a snow globe of innocence and naivete. So thank you, Dylan. And everything that you've suffered, you didn't deserve. Just like you, John Caracow. Waterboarding is torture. The world has decided that. We don't get to decide that, oh, except in America, when we just declare that the terrorists are are gunning for us and coming after us, we got to be able to waterboard them peoples to find out how they're coming after us. If they're going to bring more of them box cutters over to our airplanes, how are we going to fight back with our F-35s or whatever magnificent piece of machinery we got now to shoot down them people that don't look so white? Well, John Kirkow, the only person who actually went to prison for America's policies regarding torture, irony has laid on a thickness on your life that, again, maybe you and Thomas Drake should open up a Waffle House and just slap everybody who walks in in the face with the waffle iron and say, fuck you. <laughs> I'd understand it. Just like if Wolfgang Halbig joined you. <laughs> God. 
I mean, let's just ask some reasonable questions from the most qualified person in the country to ask those questions and to get ridiculed because how dare you ask those questions, motherfucker? What's, what's your problem? You don't trust that we're giving you nonsense answers and you're just going to have to live with them? No, I don't. And here's why. Because I have integrity and it matters to me. Right, Bev Harris? The voting machines matter. She proved that they don't. Just like Stephen Spoonamore and Clint Curtis proved that they don't. <laughs> this all happened in early 2000s. And here we are, still voting with the same voting machines. <laughs> 20 years later, are you kidding me? We learned nothing. As Lieutenant Sergeant Stu Schiller, in his plea for military accountability proved. Look, man, I know you might have walked over a line for some people when you said you bring the whole house down. And I'm not saying I'm bringing the whole house down. I don't believe in, I believe in working from within, but I know how rotten the core is. And so do you. And I salute you, Sar Lieutenant Sergeant Stu Scheller. I admire everything about you. Uh, that leaves Jessalyn Raddick as the one person who, perhaps on this list, is the most esteemable of all, having turned from her own whistleblower situation into a whistleblower representative with her law uh, credentials and sense of purpose and justice. So, <laughs> of all the people on this list, and you've all done more than, like I said, I have the personal uh, makeup to have withstood. Uh, there's three people left to mention because this scandal is left unkept and still TBD. Maria Farmer, Virginia Guffrey, and Liz Crokin. May whatever fallout from the Epstein scandal that is still to come happen. May all that karmic tidal wave that you're, you're due come your way. And frankly, I hope that karmic tidal wave that everybody I've mentioned tonight is due comes their way. It's just, what do you do, right? How do you help these people understand that what they've done is phenomenal, that it matters, that it's some of the most important activity this century and last century have seen. These are the stands that will come to prove that humanity is worth salvaging. I applaud you all. And much like the quote goes, I just hope to sometime live up to the person my dog thinks I am. Well, sometime when it matters, I hope to stand up to the kind of adversity you all have faced. Because from afar, everything you've done looks like the hardest work there is to do right now at this time. So 
you have a fan in me, and there will never come a time when I think anything other than you represent the best among us.